Good evening. Welcome to Thursday evening chapel. Well, it is this. This is probably one of two times that I'll say that this year, Thursday evening chapel. I'm glad you're here. Are you glad you're here? Yeah. Okay, and ask the person next to you if they are glad that you're here. We'll do a little truth telling, I think. A little truth telling. It's been our privilege the last two nights to gather to, uh, to hear from the Lord through our brother, Pastor Al Pittman. And I, I know that if you've come with open hearts that you have received. Uh, so would you welcome him one more time? Uh, stand please and let's start with our uh, theme, our prayer, our our commitment. Hear my Lord, purify me. Let's say it again. Hear my Lord, purify me. Let's say it one more time. Hear my Lord, purify me. And let's pray just a minute. And to that prayer we say, Amen. And Father in heaven, we thank you so much tonight that we can gather here once again to celebrate your word, to hear your truth, and to celebrate, Father, in your presence tonight. God, we thank you so much. In thee, O oh Lord, we put our trust. Lord, some are here tonight who may be going through difficult times. Some, Father, some of us have difficult times before us. But, Father, we declare tonight that our trust is completely in you. Lord, be magnified through your word. You are God most high. Be exalted in this place. Let your Holy Spirit come, dear God, and bind every spirit, every thought, every idea that would exalt itself against the knowledge of Jesus. And, Lord, may you release, Lord, the knowledge and the wisdom of Christ through the revelation of your word. Lord, speak to every heart. Draw us to yourself in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, it's so much of an honor, and indeed it is an honor for me to be here with you again for the third time. And, and this has been a tremendous blessing for me. And I don't say that, you know, is what the speakers are supposed to say, so they'd ask them to come back. But I, I, I really mean it. It's been an honor to me to, uh, to be asked to come, and I thank you, Dr. Graves for, President Graves for allowing me to come and uh, to share and uh, thank you uh, uh, Dr. Like for allowing me to come and just the faculty and the, the staff and all, uh, you guys have been great. So I really appreciate it. And um, we're going to look into the Word of God again this evening and I want to talk to you this evening about uh, the storm on the sea. And uh, we want to start in Isaiah since that's our theme and kind of move from there and then if you have your Bible with you, please turn to Luke chapter 8, and we'll be looking at verses 22 to 25 uh, for our text tonight. But in Isaiah chapter 6, we talked about how Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up on the first night. We talked about how a true vision sees God's holiness and it sees our own lowliness. And then last night, we, we talked about... Uh, uh, just God's faithfulness to us 
Um, and tonight we're going to talk about how God is able to get us through the storms. And when I look at Isaiah chapter 6, and of course verses 1 to uh, 8, we talked about um, uh, how the Lord indeed uh, gave Isaiah a vision and a calling. And in verses, uh, actually 11 to the end of the chapter, uh, we talked last night about uh, trusting the Lord and, and following his lead and, and uh, regardless of how long the Lord may be calling us. And then tonight where I want us to focus is just on the first part of verse 9 as we use it as a springboard to get into our text in Luke chapter 8. And the Lord said to, to uh, Isaiah, he said, go and tell this people. And that's all I want to use just tonight. Go and tell this people. In other words, God sent him on a mission. And Isaiah's calling was glorious. He saw the Lord high and lifted up in the sanctuary and, uh, and all. And, and, and God touched him with the fire from the altar and all of that. But when God called him to go forth, God was calling him to preach a message that was not popular. It was, re it was reprehensible. The people didn't like the message. And um, this message that he would preach and this calling he would follow would take him into many storms. Uh, much of what is preached today uh, in the church portraying the Christian life is not consistent with Scripture. To preach that we as believers are to always be healthy, always be wealthy, To be excluded from all suffering might tickle the ear, but it is useless when you find yourself in a storm. Now the Bible does promise us things concerning health and material prosperity, amen, amen. and deliverance. But with a balanced perspective, taking into account the trials of life. I think our Lord Jesus Christ said it best when he said in John 16, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. And sometimes we forget that when we're going through trials in life or when we run into a storm that the Lord promised you. Amen. There's some promises in the Bible that you may not be able to realize sometimes. But here's a promise I think everybody realizes. In this world, you will have tribulation. Anybody here haven't had tribulation yet? <laughs> to be a Christian is to, to be a Christian to answer the call of God, to go as God told Isaiah to go. Go tell this people. To answer God's call does not exclude us from trouble. In fact, in many ways, we become more of a target. But we need not be afraid. Romans chapter 8, verses 37 to 39 says this. Listen carefully. Yet in all these things, Paul said, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded. Have you been persuaded? That neither death, nor life, nor the angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor things, or, nor heights, nor depths, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
we are more than conquerors. That means that we're not trying to win, we've already won. That's what that means. But God uses storms in our lives. The reality is that this life offers many storms and trials. God uses storms to teach us life's greatest lesson. And that is how to live by faith. How to rely upon God's faithfulness in season and out of season. And Paul said it this way in Philippians 4 verses 12 to 13. I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things. Whether I'm in Colorado Springs or I'm in Florida or I'm in New York. Or I'm in Maui, hallelujah. He said, I've learned to be a base. I've learned to abound in all things everywhere. And in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. That's the context of that scripture that so many people quote. Storms may lie ahead of you tonight. The school year has just started. Amen. Every professor teaches like they're the only professor out here. Amen. I remember. I feel your pain. <laughs> I remember. It's like, man, lighten up a little bit. You ain't the only one out here teaching something, you know. And you've got the job and you've got the family and all these things and the kids and you're trying. And, and there are storms ahead. Some we know are coming. Some unexpected. But the faithfulness of God will keep you. And this is the lesson Jesus is teaching the disciples. For those who are following the Lord's orders, who are following his call, he knows storms are ahead, but he's teaching us how to trust the Father despite the storms. Now we get into our text. In Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. I want to use this story to illustrate that very point. Luke chapter 8, verse 22, the Bible says, Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples. And he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake, that is, the Sea of Galilee. And they launched out. We talked about launching out last night. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were, they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and, and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Amen. We're going to look tonight at this story, and I'd like to look with you and then consider with you the, the progression of this storm. The second thing is to consider the Lord of the storm. And the third thing is to consider how to activate our faith when we're in the midst of a storm. Amen? My hope is that if you're in a storm tonight, I don't need a show of hands. Because the reality is that as a Christian, many times, either we're coming out of a storm, or we're in the midst of a storm, or we're going into a storm. Amen? Amen? 
That's kind of the Christian life. But we need not fear, as I said. But I pray that this word would be an encouragement to you. Amen. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus for your blessing upon your word, that your word as it goes forth it will accomplish your divine purpose and will. In Jesus' holy name, amen. The progression of the storm, verses 22 and 23, here in Luke chapter 8. He said, now it happened on a certain day, and they went out on the boat. Jesus said, let's go across to the other side of the lake, the Sea of Galilee. And they launched out, and as they began to sail, all of a sudden, a windstorm came up, and they found themselves, the Bible says here, in jeopardy. Storms by nature usually come about unexpectedly. Amen. Now, when we I had the blessed, blessing privilege, blessed privilege of going to Israel uh, a, a couple of times, a few times, and, and when we were there this last time with some people from our church, right there at, on the Sea of Galilee, the, the guide was telling us that there's like a canyon. If you look back uh, towards Jerusalem, you, there's like a canyon that goes down into the Sea of Galilee. I mean, it's, it's, it's above the sea. And oftentimes, wind would just blow. A sudden wind would just come up and it would blow down on the, the lake of uh, the Sea of Galilee and the, the waves would get choppy. And all of a sudden, you'd find yourself unexpectedly in the midst of a storm. And he said, it's probably what happened on this night. And Jesus said, let's go across. I'm sure the waves, you know, this is going to be a nice little cruise with Jesus on the sea. You know, we're going to just cruise on over to the other side. And then ha maybe halfway across, all of a sudden, the waves are getting choppy and there's a storm on the sea. Now this particular storm, the progression of the storm, this particular storm was not the disciples, was not the disciples' plan, amen? They didn't plan this storm. Anybody here ever plan a storm? I know we've caused some storms, but no one ever really plans a storm. And the problem with this storm now, understand this, is that, that this was a storm not born out of their disobedience. This was a storm born out of their obedience. They were following what Jesus told them to do. And they found themselves, I'm trying to please you, Lord. I'm trying to do what you told me to do. You called me here, and now all I've got since I've come to this place is a lot of problems and trials. And Maybe God didn't call me, amen? Maybe God didn't call me to this marriage. Oh, yes, he did. <laughs> He's trying to teach you something. This struggle, and these are the storms that I struggle with the most. I don't know about you. It's the ones that when I'm trying to do what God told me to do, and things are rough. A couple of weeks ago, we had an altar call at the church, and, you know, for people who want to receive Christ, and this couple came down, and, and they were standing there, and I was just talking and just encouraging them to get in the Word and to read their Bibles and to pray and all these things. And I said, you know, and I always joke with people and tell them, you know, the devil is probably waiting out in the parking lot for you smoking a cigarette, wondering what's taking you so long. <laughs> I just dropped you off here to, you know, hear a little sermon. I didn't know what's taking you so long. It's been too, and I just joke and I say that. I say, but the, but the, there's a bullseye on you now that you've given your life to Jesus Christ. Unbeknownst to me, at that very moment, somebody was breaking into their car of this one couple, I mean, several people standing there, but this one couple that came down together, breaking into their car, stole the woman's purse. That was prophetic, amen. I just, I just. <laughs> but that wasn't a storm that they planned, but that's, when you, you, you said, I'm going to endeavor to serve the Lord and obey God, you know, there's a bullseye on you. And unexpected storms can come up. But it was the Lord that told the disciples to go over to the other side of the lake. Now here's the progression. The Lord said, go over to the other side of the lake. So they, they launch out. Everything's fine. 
Then the wind starts blowing. Then the waves start getting a little choppy, you know. And now the water's splashing maybe over the bow of the, the little boat and water's getting in their face. And, 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 and now the boat's starting to fill up with water. And all the time, anytime, Jesus, you can wake up and do something about this. Anybody ever feel that way? Lord, I, you know, the progression of the storm, things are getting worse. Now, Lord, I, I'm going to go into work tomorrow, and that person's still going to be kind of getting in my face. Now, God, you know how I am. Now, just, you know, I'm telling you the storm's coming. Lord, do something. Move them, Lord. Take them to heaven. Do whatever. But the storm's coming. I, I, I'm just warning you, Lord. I see the waves getting a little choppy now. I'm kind of rocking back and forth. Lord, you need to step up anytime. Anytime you want to wake up, Jesus, and do something, it'll be all right with me. You know something's going to happen. You feel it in your bones. But God is asleep. <laughs> Amen. At least we think he's asleep. But the Bible says he neither sleeps nor slumbers. So in frustration, you know how it is. You know, we, we start out with faith, just like they started out across the sea. Lord, I'm on, you know, people say, how you doing, brother, in the storm? I'm trusting Jesus. Hallelujah. I got victory. Next Sunday they see you, you know, you got a little, little waves are getting a rough, little rough, you know. How you doing, brother? Well, I'm holding on to his unchanging hand, you know. And then, you know, you come in the next time, you got a little water splashing in your face. How you doing, brother? Well, I, I don't know, man. I, I've been asking God and I'm waiting, you know, but nothing happened. And then next time you come in, the, the boat's filling up and, and you go to church and the pastor's preaching. You can't hear anything he says because you're worried about what you're going to do tomorrow because my boat is filling up and God is sleeping on the job. But he's not asleep. He's trying to teach us something. And in frustration, what do we do? Well, we act like the disciples many times. We throw our faith overboard. We throw our faith overboard. And then in, in an accusatory tone, see, they come to the Lord and they say, Master, Master, we are perishing. Mark says that. They said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Amen. Lord, you don't care about me. Anybody ever feel like that? Lord, I said, the boat's filling with water. You know, Lord, maybe you don't know how we do math on the earth, but what we do here is that, you know, a, a boat full of water sinks. I don't know what it does in heaven or wherever you can, but it sinks here. You got to do something. The bills are due next Monday. The rent is due. God do something. But oh no, he's asleep. And so they, they, they go to him with this accuser in this accusatory tone saying, don't you care about me no more. Amen. I've been there. I know a lot of pastors won't act like they never have problems. I got issues. <laughs> me and God have some deep discussions. And I wonder, God, don't you care sometimes? But I've learned over the years that he cares more than I will ever know. The Lord does care, but you know what he cares about most? He cares that we learn to live by faith. That's why he doesn't take you out. He takes you through. Lord, can you take me around this one? No, I'm going to take you through. He doesn't take us out. He takes us through the storm. 
And see, I believe, and this is just me, and, and uh, I always tell people when I, when I say this, it's just not, I'm not saying this is anointed of God or anything, but this is just my own observation. Because God neither sleeps nor slumbers, and Jesus is asleep on the boat. I believe Jesus was trying to t show the disciples what resting in the Father's faithfulness when you're in a storm looks like. He was sleeping. And they didn't get the object lesson. And they panicked. The Bible says, Isaiah 26, verse 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts in you. Jesus is sovereign over the progression of the storm. He knows problems may be coming, but he is sovereign to keep us. He knows when things are brewing. Our job is to keep our eyes on him and not to panic and not to throw our faith overboard. So we see the progression of the storm. Here's now the most important part, I believe, but is the Lord of the storm. The Bible says that the Lord stood up and he rebuked the winds and the water and they obeyed him and they ceased. The desperation in the disciples' voices is reminiscent to me many times of my prayers. It's like I've got to pray and scream loud enough to wake God up. And there's nothing wrong with getting loud with God. Me and the Lord have had some shouting matches, you know, of faith in my house when I'm by myself or whatever, you know, or in my prayer closet. But there's nothing, nothing wrong with that at all. But sometimes we're shouting in unbelief. Like, I got to yell louder because God can't hear me, you know. And I've got to yell louder to God. But what did Jesus tell us in Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 to 33? He says, therefore, do not worry about what you will eat, drink, or wherewithal you shall be clothed. For after these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows, oh really, that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Boy, isn't that hard to do when the boat's filling with water? To put God first and not our worries. But listen, faith. Faith is casting our cares on God so that we can focus on the one who cares for us. I'll say it again. Faith is casting my care upon the Lord. The Bible says cast your care on the Lord because he cares for you. But I, he wants us to cast our care upon him. It's not like God's in denial. Lord, the rent is still due Monday. He knows that. But I cast my care upon you so that I can care about what really matters the most, and that is my relationship with you. So that I'm not carrying a burden that is meant for his shoulders. He said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Why would he say that unless he was willing to carry our burdens for us? Now, Jesus rebuked the wind and the raging water. Amen. We see that. He stands up and he rebukes the wind and the raging water. And what I find interesting here is when you do a word study of the word rebuked, it is the Greek word epitomao. And it means to censure or to forbid. Jesus censured. He forbade the storm to rage. Those, that word epitomao comes from two other Greek words, epi, which means superimposition, time, place, or order. No matter what time the storm happens, no matter what place it's in, no matter what order it's come about. 
The other part of the word, tamao, means to fix a valuation, I like this, an appraisal upon something. Now, what does that mean here? It means when Jesus rebuked the storm, this is what he demonstrated. He demonstrated his sovereignty, yes, over the natural storm, but spiritually speaking, He's saying here, when he stood up and rebuked the storm, he's basically saying, despite the time, the place, despite whatever is happening in your life, despite the order of the storm, that he can alter its natural destructive course by superimposing, amen, his divine will and by affixing his appraisal of the situation. And this is what I'm saying to you, is that, and this is what I want you to get, is that what the devil meant for evil, God says no, he says it's for good. That's God superimposing his will over whatever storm you might be in, saying I don't care what the devil is saying because people said you ought to be dead by now. Or, that storm should have killed you, but God stood up in the boat and said no it won't happen today and what the devil meant for evil I have deemed and appraised it to be for good in your life amen oh that's good I'll say amen to that that's some that's some that's some good preaching amen he rebuked the storm he said it's not natural course was to destroy Al Pittman your daddy might have been an alcoholic. Your granddaddy was an alcoholic. You're going to be an alcoholic. You ain't going to amount to nothing. You're going to end up in Canyon City in prison. But I'm here to tell you that God stood up in my boat. He said, I don't care what the enemy says and what the natural course of destruction every storm brings. But you, it will work for your good. Because I got plans for you. Amen. Oh, I love that. And so Mark says that the Lord stood up in the boat. This is what Mark said. He said, he said, peace, be still. Yes, yes. Oh, I love that. Yes. The storm said, I'm going to destroy you. And he stood up and said, peace. Amen. I don't care what your agenda is, storm. My agenda is peace. Yes. Amen. Superimposing his divine will over the situation. Amen. With the devil meant for evil, God means for good. Paul, a whole lot more articulate than I am, said it this way. All things work together for good. To those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. That's super imposition. That's God's appraisal on whatever you're going through right now. It will not destroy you, for no weapon formed against you will prosper. Amen? Amen. How do we activate our faith in such a storm? We're going through a stormy time in our lives. How do we activate our faith? You know, the question in every storm, and who's been in a storm? Anybody? You know what I'm talking about when I say storm, a trial, a struggle? All the rest of y'all lying. Okay. We've all, but, but we've all been there. But here's, here's the question. When I'm going through something, and you're, you may be going through something, the first thing we want to know, we want to know why. We want to know what. What happened. We want to know why this is happening to me. Because, Lord, I've been obedient. I've been doing what you're telling me to do. Why? We didn't want to know when. Didn't Isaiah want to know when? He said, Lord, how long? How long I got to preach this message? 
We talked about that last night. We want to know when. But you know the most important question to Jesus in the storm? Is where? Where is your faith? The question we should ask when we're going through a storm is not why, what, or when, but where is my faith? Am I trusting in the boat? Am I trusting in my 401k? Am I trusting in my education? Or am I trusting in the one who is Lord of the storm? That's activating, that's when you activate your faith in a storm. Jesus asked the disciples, he said, where is your faith? Matthew's recording of this story, Matthew records that Jesus said, oh, you of little faith. Their faith was but gone. Now notice something. That's, you look back a few verses. Look back in, uh, in uh, Luke chapter 8. These same disciples had just seen Jesus lame or heal the lame man. Heal the lame. He healed the blind. That's the, the message Jesus said. Go back and tell John the, the, the lame walk, the blind see. He even raised a dead man, brought him back to life. In the same chapter. And I thought about that. I thought, you know, it's amazing. These guys are a bunch of, these guys are thick. You know, they don't get it. Jesus healed the lame, the blind, and stuff, but they don't have no faith. It's like the Lord said to me, it's just like you. How quickly a little storm, a little breeze, a little disruption in your life can cause you to start doubting God, God's faithfulness in your life after everything God has already done for you. Amen? Amen. He's brought you so far in a mighty long way, done all these wonderful things for you, and, and we've been going along and praising God and get a little breeze to kind of knock us off a little bit, like, oh God, don't you care about me, you know? God healed you from cancer. God's delivered you from jail. God's raised you up and has called you to ministry and all this. And you get a flat tire on powers and go, oh God, don't you care about me? That's our human nature. Don't we do that? And I thought these disciples, they had just seen all these miracles and, and all this. And yet, here they are, doubting, without faith. The apostle Paul demonstrates to us what active faith looks like. We don't have time to turn to it tonight, but Acts chapter 27. Many of you know the story how Paul was in chains and they were taking him to Rome to stand before Caesar to be tried because the Jews said that he committed blasphemy and, and all of that. So he's on the boat, on the ship. Paul told him not to go. It's not this kind of wrong time to be sailing. But they went anyway. They got in this huge storm. And the Bible says that these salty veteran seamen tried to right the ship for three days and nights, couldn't correct the ship. You know, it was dark. They couldn't see the stars. They didn't know where they were going. They're in the storm for three days, three nights. And finally, they gave up on living. And the men, these veteran seamen who know the sea, said, we're going to die. And you can be assured you're going to die. But Paul stood up in that boat. You remember the story? And Paul stood up in the middle of that storm. He said, men, listen to me. The God to whom I belong and who I serve says it's going to be all right. What Paul demonstrates to us is that even in the midst of the storm, and I think about our society today, it's a stormy time. But God is looking for people in this room.
He's looking for someone who will believe that he will do what he says he will do. Who will be willing to stand up in the boat right now. In America right now. And to say we're not going to die because the God of whom I, I belong to and whom I serve says it's going to be alright if you're in the right boat. If you're in faith in Jesus Christ. And would proclaim the good news of the gospel even in this dark hour. Paul activated his faith when everybody around him had given up on life. Paul stood up and proclaimed life in Christ. It's a great illustration for us of God's faithfulness and what we're to be doing as believers when we're in the storm. So here's my point. When you're going through a storm, don't forget who you belong to. Don't forget who you serve. Because a storm can have you serving yourself. A storm can totally mess up your perspective where you start, it's all about me. And we start serving ourselves. Or we start serving the almighty dollar or whatever. Don't forget who you belong to. Don't forget whom you serve. Paul stood up in the boat. He said, for there stood by me this night an angel of the Lord, the angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. Activate your faith in the storm. Don't let go of God's faithfulness in the midst of the storm. Know for certain. Because a storm, a storm will reveal who you really belong to. Amen? A storm will really reveal who and what you're serving. We say, I love the Lord until the storm comes. We love ourselves. And we abandon our faith. And sometimes God lets us see those things so that he can correct us and we repent and come back to him. Faith activated in a storm is knowing you are held fast by the one you belong to and holding fast to the one you serve. We may lose everything that we have, but if we know who we belong to and who we serve, we can make it through the storm. God will bring us through. I want to leave you with three final thoughts here, conclusion concerning storm on the sea. The number one thing, first thing is this, is remember that Jesus is on the boat. Remember he has not abandoned. He said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And he meant it. He's there with you right now. No matter how rocky things are getting, no matter how much things are filling up on you, he's there with you. The answer to the disciples' question in verse 25 of Luke chapter 8 was, was who is this? Well, the reality is any, any Jewish person back in that time especially could tell you that only God can control nature. They knew that he, they, were, they were in the presence of God. Know that Jesus is on the boat with you, that you're in his presence. That every natural and every spiritual storm that we face, that he has sovereignty over it. Here's the second thing. A storm is God's classroom for building, overcoming faith class is in session. Amen? Amen? When you're going through a difficult storm, just, you know, the bell's ringing. Class in session. God's trying to teach you something to bring you through something so you can help somebody else through. It's not just all, it's not all just about me, what I've been through in my life. You've gone through what you've gone through, and God will use it for good for his kingdom's sake so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. There's a bigger plan than just your ministry, a bigger plan than just what you want to do. God is seeing, you're seeing one or two. God is seeing thousands, maybe millions that he wants to touch through your life. And God uses storms as a classroom to teach us how to have overcoming faith. 
The Bible says, and Psalmist writes in Psalm 119, verse 71, he said, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. Amen? Amen. That I might learn your statutes, that I might learn your word. Now, that's, that sounds real pious and all, but I don't always think that way when I'm going through an affliction. Lord, I don't want to be afflicted. I would do whatever I can to sidestep any kind of affliction, but there's some affliction I've had to walk through, and on the other side, I can say, look back and say, it is good that I've been afflicted so that I can become the man of God, Lord, that you want me to be. Amen. Not the one that I thought I should be, but the one you want me to be so you can receive the glory and the praise. Here's the third thing. Storms will pass, but God's word will last. Amen. Amen. God's word is buoyancy to our faith. Luke chapter 21, verse 33, the Bible says, Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said, but my words will by no means pass away. And God's word is, is buoyancy to our faith. My family and I, we had a vacation one time, and oh, it was, it was in Maui, one of those once-in-a-lifetime trips when I, my boys were really small. And they talked about they wanted to go snorkeling. Now, first you got to understand, I can't swim. And when the man said snorkeling, I thought it was going to be in like five feet of water. And I was just kind of you know, go down there. When I get tired, I can come back up. Woo, that was fun, you know. Took us out to this island, laid anchor, and everybody's jumping off the boat. My son's jumping off the boat and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like the last guy on the boat. I'm 6'2", way about 195, you know. And there I am, this big old tall black brother standing on the boat, scared to get in the water. <laughs> Everybody, everybody's in the water. Little kids, driving, you know. And the guy looks at me, I'll never forget what he said. He looks at me and says, uh, oh, are you new to the sport? <laughs> I almost punched him. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I kind of, you know. But, um... <laughs> There's a point to this story. But anyway, I got brave enough to get out in this water. And it was like 100 feet deep. And they put this, uh, these little floaty things underneath me. And had me out in this water and just said, oh, you'll be all right. And man, that thing started tipping on me. You're talking about a brother panicking. And I grabbed that anchor line. The guy said, sir, you can't grab my anchor line. I said, you come on out here and try to make me get off this. I'm, a, I'm holding on to this. To God's unchanging hand, amen. I'm hanging on to this rope. Then I got back on the boat. The guy said, well, those floaties aren't working. So, you know, so they gave me this, that little boogie board thing that you hold on to and you can look through the glass and, and you got your fins on and you're flapping around there and, you, and I'm fine. And I'm just, whoo, look at me. Whew, I'm getting all brave and everything. And uh, yeah, we had, a, we had a great time all after it was all said and done. But I thought, Lord, that's like faith. Holding on to your word. Your faith is, your word rather, is buoyancy to my faith. And if we're not in the word of God, how are you going to stay afloat when you're going through a storm? How are you going to be able to survive if you're not holding on to the word of God? What we need in the church is a revival for his word, a hunger and a thirst for the word of God. It is a buoyancy for faith. The time may come, and I, I, I don't want to see things get any worse than they are, but the time may come, this may be all we have. And if you're not standing on this, then you're not building your life on the rock. You're building it on shifting sand. We need the buoyancy of God's word 
especially when we're going through a storm. It keeps us afloat. It'll save your life. Amen. Amen. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, verse 10, that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to him and run to it and are safe. So the question I want to leave you with this evening, this is our final night together, and I again want to thank Dr. Graves and everyone for allowing me to come, but here's the question I really like you to entertain this evening tonight, right now tonight, because I think Jesus is still asking this question. Whether you're in a storm, heading into one, coming out of one, things are going great right now, that's wonderful. But the question is, where is your faith? And if you don't know, and if you ever misplace it, you can always run to the Lord. He's a strong tower. He's a place of safety. We can run back to him and say, God, I need you. Because I guarantee you, a storm is coming. A storm is coming. And it will reveal where our faith really is. I think there's a shaking that's coming. And it's happening now even to the church. And it's revealing where our faith really is. Our faith must remain in the Lord. He is our strong tower. He is our shelter from the enemy when we're in the storm. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that, Lord, you have given us a calling, a vision. You've told us to launch out. And as we launch out, as we follow you, Lord, there's going to be obstacles. There are going to be some storms. And now you're teaching us, Lord, tonight how to survive, how to press on, how to take hold of you, how to be overcomers. That the storms are no surprise for you. They surprise us, but they're not a surprise for you. And that you're there in the midst of that storm and you are sovereign and Lord over whatever we're going through right now tonight father I pray that you would call us back to you that Lord if there's someone here tonight that is saying pastor that's me I I've been going through some stuff and I, I've thrown my faith overboard I, I go to church I I've been coming to Bible college I've been doing all these things but you know what I just don't believe God anymore in fact I think the Lord is asleep I think he's gone asleep on the job and I don't think he hears me anymore I want to say to you tonight that God hears you. God cares about you. And tonight you can run to that tower, that high tower, that safe place. Call on the name of the Lord. He hears you. He's here. He hasn't stopped loving you. He hasn't forgotten you. He cares about you tonight. I'd like to open up the altar at this time for anybody who wants to come and maybe just kneel here and say, you know, that's me. I want to run back to the Lord. I want to run back to his safe arms. I want to seek his face. I want to run into his arms of love and mercy and grace. And God is not here to condemn us. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He's here to love you and to restore you and to heal you. If you've thrown your faith overboard, have your faith renewed tonight. Thank you, Father. There's an old song we used to sing that I kind of wanted to try to attempt to sing it tonight. But it's just a little chorus. Some of you may know it. But it kind of goes like this. I need thee, oh, I need thee. And 
Stand with me. Let's sing that again. I need Thee, oh, I need Thee. Right now, run to Him. Every hour, I need Thee. Oh, bless me. Let's sing it for my soul one more time. I